1: Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainways.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
0: I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Hello, welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and today we'll be speaking with Dr. Paul Fern, published author and philosopher who lives with schizophrenia. Dr. Paul Fern is here today to talk about his latest book, William Blake, uh, that is addressed to the 18th century English romantic poet and artist of the same name. And this book is written in Paul's poetic prose. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. How many times is this? Four, five? I, I should have really checked that before,
1: uh, before
0: we got on yeah, today.
1: It's around that number.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's great to have you back and I'm excited Thank to learn mean. about what you're doing at the moment. So I guess for those of the audience who might not have heard uh, some of your previous shows, how did you become a writer?
1: I was doing a Bachelor of Arts at Melbourne University and I had my first psychotic episode uh, at that time, also, I decided to keep a diary, and I was reading all the classics of the Western canon. I was Virgil's *Aeneid*, T. S. Eliot, William Blake, John Milton, a bit of Homer, and my psychosis subsided. And I went on to finish my Bachelor of Arts with honors, uh, and Amazing. then, yeah. Um, it was, I, I refer to it as my difficult degree. Uh, and then I went on and did a master's at Melbourne university in the philosophy of art on beauty. And I was president of the Melbourne university philosophy club. So we had, uh, pub nights and debates and a whole range of different things. It was a really fun time. um, And then I went on to do a PhD at La Trobe on schizophrenia. I had chapters in the thesis on Wittgenstein and schizophrenia and Heidegger and schizophrenia. And I was in towards the end of the PhD and I thought, what next? Should I? Maybe a writing career would be good. So I, I dusted off the diary and sent it to Alan Unwin Uh, They sent it back saying we don't normally publish these sorts of things unless the author is already famous. So that was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I simply Googled mental health publisher and chipmunker publishing in the UK came up. And I sent the manuscript to them and they accepted. Uh, Finished my PhD. Then I was looking for a, a place to launch the book, and I thought the North Fitzroy Star Hotel looked, looked like a good place. It was a very literary pub with uh, lots of penguin editions above the fireplaces. places. Uh, but then at the same time, I got an email from the Melbourne Writers' Festival. I think I was on their email e-list,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that said, launch your book at the Melbourne Writers' Festival. So I applied. And they accepted me. Uh, and then close to the time of the launch, Natasha Mitchell from Radio National and her show All in the Mind picked up the story and she interviewed me and a writing career was born.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Still, <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to say, Paul, I've heard that story a few times and I still love it every time I hear it. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, great. <thanks. laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and you know what? We're all better for it. So. I guess if we want to get started, you've got a new book, yeah, uh, William Blake. So who was William Blake?
1: Uh, he lived in the 18th century. Uh, he was a Romantic poet, a part of the Romantic movement. Um, he was an artist and a poet. So as we'll hear soon, he uh, went to art school at a very young age and to see his, he, he made his own books as well. So to wow. see him, uh, see those books in real life, I just, I went to the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge to have a look. And it's uh, really quite amazing what he did to the to the book form.
0: So when you say he made the books, you mean he actually physically made the books as yeah, well? Yeah, he, wow. he
1: yeah, I don't know where he got his materials from, but or, or what stages they were in for the making of the books. But it was just uh, just amazing. He used a lot of gold leaf, mm-hmm. uh, and you often see Blake's books in facsimile, but it doesn't compare to seeing them in reality. And and as we'll hear in a moment, we have a great collection of William Blake here in Melbourne.
0: Ah. All right, this sounds really interesting. I'm excited to hear more about William Blake. So I guess tell us a little bit about Blake's association with madness.
1: Um, Mona Wilson, whose biography I used for this interview and for the book, uh, she said that we shouldn't ascribe madness to Blake because it diminishes our appreciation of his poetry. Um, but on the contrary, I think... I think there's something very meaningful about having modern eyes look on the past, and for Blake, maybe a term like schizoaffective disorder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we if we look at Blake through those eyes, we get, it can touch us even deeper. Um, I uh, gave a paper at a Melbourne University colloquium. And I quoted heavily from Blake and I gave it to my supervisor afterwards and she said it sounded like a mad person at the steps of the GPO ranting. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so what I did was I went down to the steps of the GPO with my paper (laughs) and I read my paper at the steps of the GPU, and then just fortunately an American postgraduate student was walking past. Wow. And she asked what had happened, and I told her what had happened. And she took my photo and had it developed and sent back to me. And what I did was I went down to the Melbourne University Philosophy Common Room, and I I stuck the photo to the notice board.
0: Love it. Love (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, that's that's Blake.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so let's go back to the very beginning. What do we know of Blake's childhood?
1: He was born in 1757 uh, on Broad Street in London, uh, son to a London hosier. Uh, he went to art school as, as a very young boy. Uh, he was given a copy of Swedenborg's works by either his father or his brother James. And Swedenborg became quite influential for Blake. And now for Swedenborg to walk through a city is not necessarily to walk through a city, it's to walk through heaven and to talk to the people who you meet along the way and not people but angels. So, yeah, that... That became very influ- influential for Blake. Um, he was eventually apprenticed to an artist who was working for the Society of Antiquities. And, yeah, that's awesome.
0: his job. Awesome, awesome. Now, I understand that um, Blake also spent some time at the Royal Academy. First, can you tell us, I guess, what the Royal Academy is, but also what was his time like there?
1: Um I'm not too familiar with the Royal Academy per se, but what I imagine is like as prestigious as the academy is in the States. Uh, This was an an academy for artists. Yep. So, yeah, artists were were trained in the techniques of the day. And, yeah, and, and so it was very, very prestigious of Blake to have been admitted there. And he met... Uh, Fusilli and Flaxman now Fus- Fusilli is interesting because we have two facilities in the National Gallery of Victoria here in Melbourne uh, one called A Minute of a Dream another one called Milton
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that's good but I'd like here to, to touch on the amazing collection we have here in, in Melbourne of William Blake in the NGV uh, we have Songs of Innocence and Experience, illustrations to the Book of Job, illustrations to Dante's Divine Comedy, illustrations to John Milton's Paradise Lost, and illustrations to Edward Young's Night Thoughts. All and there's more too. All here in Melbourne. And I've I've been twice myself, and you never forget it.
0: It's amazing. I'll have to go have a look.
1: It's 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 superb. It is. Wonderful. Uh yeah, and uh Blake had a conversation with uh, Sir Joshua Reynolds, who was the preeminent artist of the day. And Sir Joshua wasn't overly uh positive about Blake's work. Mm. So Blake never forgot, and he wrote about Sir Joshua Reynolds in his in latter years, and he exhibited in seventeen eighty at the Royal Academy.
0: it's awesome. Mm. And um, so Blake got married. When did he get married and to whom?
1: Uh, he got married to Catherine Boucher um, in 1782. And in courting her, he gave her a vignette of his life, and asked her, do you pity me? And she said yes. And then so he said, then I love you.
0: Wow, that's very romantic.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, after the wedding, uh, Blake taught Catherine how to write and how to draw. Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
0: And... Um... Who was Johnston in Blake's story?
1: Uh, Johnston was a publisher, um, a very generous one at that. He gave Cowper a thousand pounds for the task. Uh, Blake went to one of his literary gatherings and was asked, Are there any prophets? And he said, Not in the Bible, which is a controversial thing to have said at that, that time.
0: I can imagine, yeah.
1: And yeah.
0: Awesome. So he was a publisher for Blake, is that correct?
1: No, no. No, no. he
0: was just a friend that was a
1: publisher? He he just knew him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, there you go. Awesome. And what was Blake's writing style?
1: Uh, It was described, I think, by Blake as dictating of the spirits. So sometimes 30 lines at a time, Uh, sometimes against his will even. Uh, and then his epic poems seemed like the work of a long life. In fact, were not, no effort at all. Wow. Yeah.
0: So when you say that they're against his will, what do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe he didn't want to write something and and in the spirits he was dictating. Uh... Ah, they
0: forced him to keep going.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, and. Who was Thomas Butts and what was his relationship to Blake?
1: Now, Thomas Butts was Blake's great patron, Uh, sometimes asking Blake for one drawing a week. Uh, When Thomas Butts passed away, uh, his collection of Blake went to his son and daughter. and his son just threw out the, his part of the collection, but his daughter had more more sense and stored them in an attic. But unfortunately the, the works in the attic were eaten by rats. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: So are there any works of, of Blake's sort of his drawings that exist today that you know of?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll have to look into that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. There's an interesting story. Um, Can you tell me what happened to the enamel Blake made for Hayley? Uh,
1: Hayley, I think, was to become, for a short while, a patron for Blake. And so Blake made Hayley uh, enamel. Uh, Hayley didn't care for it and sent it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blake travelled to go and see Hayley. To take instruction. I think it all worked out because Blake was commissioned on the life of Cowper project. So, all right.
0: Can you tell us about Feltham?
1: Sure. Uh, Blake and Catherine decided to move to Feltham.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was a journey to eleven thirty at night. And took six drivers. And uh, they got there. Blake said that it was a very spiritual place, good for study. Mm. Uh, it unfortunately it wasn't to be. But the first thing that Blake did when they reached Beltham is he helped to decorate Haley's new library.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, there were 18 heads, 18 heads, almost life-size. Uh, Mil- Shakespeare, Milton, Cowper, Spencer, amongst mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'd imagine
0: it would be very different uh, decorating than today. I don't imagine there would be many people with lots of heads around. We don't get to do that. that Yeah, yes. (laughs) That's right. So what happened that ended in Blake being tried for high treason?
1: Fascinating. Um, uh, Blake was at home one night and he went outside to his front garden and he discovered there a soldier. And he tried to get the soldier out of his front garden, but the soldier resisted, and he ended up having to push him down the road. At any rate, later, the soldier said that Blake had said, down with the king, down with his soldiers, down with the populace. Oh. Um, So, Blake was put on trial for high treason. Now, firstly, he was ordered to pay £250 in bail, which is a, a fair amount considering his annual rent was £20 per annum.
0: Wow.
1: And Uh, Blake defended himself during the trial, Uh, took that responsibility on himself. Wow. And whenever he thought the soldier had said something false, Blake simply just yelled out, false. (laughs) And he won the case.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And so what did he do after the trial?
1: Um, they moved. Catherine and Blake moved back to London. Uh, Catherine developed a rheumatoid condition, mm. uh, which was probably brought on by a trial. Um, Blake got commissioned on a, a new project, uh, Blair's the Grey. Now that had five hundred and eighty-nine subscribers, two and a half guineas a book, some proof books for, for guineas. Yeah. And then he decided he'd have an exhibition. So he went to his brother's store in on Broad Street and uh, had an exhibition. Uh, the prospectus had some very glowing things to say about Michelangelo and Raphael, uh, but not so good things to say about Titian, Caravaggio, Rubens and Rembrandt. Mm-hmm. And after a few other adventures, he he died in his dotage.
0: Mm. Wow! So he lived a big life, by the sounds of it.
1: Sorry? He lived a big life, by the sounds of he it. Did. He, yeah, did. he did. Like so, writers. Yeah, he did.
0: So. Yeah, like a lot of them. That's true. Yeah. Now I guess we've reached that part of the show. As is tradition, when you come and visit us here at Brainwaves, I ask you, can you please read a little from your book? Would you be so kind as to do so right now?
1: (laughs) I would love to. I just put my glasses on. Okay. Blake, are you the one to see things clearly? Is this what we want, to lay down our hearts and rattle our bones? For this, I say to you, be beyond things, and more importantly, be the treasure. There can be no greater strength than this. And here, where the fruit is without mark, the levity we seek is enough to fill our bowl to the brim. And then, despite the way we nestle, there is a groove in the dice that does not trickle. I have heard it said that joints in fibre never last. Blake, and now when the forest bleeds with berries, the noise of a thousand weary lives come in from the rain. There is a heart, there is here a part in the semblance of things that has its traipsing in the sort of hush that doesn't need the respite of the unlucky. So in belief, there is a watch cry that tenders no time nor resonates with the few. Do not concern yourself. The testament to the trail is here marked out. What we live with is a temporal and the waste of each passing breath. We will not lag. Blake, are these your runnings? That so possess you that out of sight we see them we see them form in between the lark and the touchstone, there resides more than the whole, unless then its partner, due course and invigoration we will come.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's right. So where can we get your book?
1: Um sure, it's an online thing. Mm-hmm. Uh so the best place for people to get the book living in Australia is Booktopia. Uh, Booktopia were outstandingly supportive during the pandemic. Uh, and they advertised the book, the, the Byron book a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: So, yeah. And uh, Amazon in Australia have the Kindle book. Uh uh, and Dimmicks uh, have the book in their online store. Wonderful. And uh, for those maybe listening to the podcast living away from Australia, um, places like Barnes & Noble in the States have it, Waterstones have it, Blackwells. In Oxford, in their online store, haven't it's available a few places.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'll I'll be sure to get all that information off you after the show, and I'll make sure that I add that in our show notes for today. Yes. Um, thanks, Paul, for coming on the show today and talking to us uh, about your new book, William Blake.
1: It's my pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Kayla. And
0: oh, wonderful.
1: And speaking about being supportive during the COVID pandemic, um, you were great for me, so that's great.
0: Oh, thanks, Paul. I always love having a chat. And um, I really hope that everyone has enjoyed today's show. You can find more details about Dr. Paul Fern and his works in our show notes, um, which I'll include. And you can also find more of our shows on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you happen to download uh, your 3CR podcast. And if you have a story to share or if you'd like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows... We'd love to hear from you, so please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please stay safe, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR
0: podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.